Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, you're a canary in the coal mine. Terrible metaphor, I know, these days, but it is. If you look at the European energy reality, it's not good, it's not strong, it's not sound, it's not sustainable. And where are we in this country? How are we faring as far as providing our energy to ourselves is concerned domestically. We have one of the most complicated interprovincial trading relationships that you could possibly have. It's easier to do business with another country than it is to do another province. Now, we don't have our pipeline infrastructure that we should be having. I know. You can argue with me about that, but we need it. We can't export our liquid natural gas because we don't have the facilities. We have the gas. We don't have the facilities. So uh, things are not so good in Europe. Again, the canary in the coal mine with Russia cutting off natural gas supplies to Canada's NATO allies. They are Poland and Bulgaria. But the Europeans are building pipelines. Jerry Bro is a professor of science at Sciences Po in Paris. He's a leading expert, as I said, on markets, geopolit- geopolitics, that's the word, of oil and gas, and energy security. He was formerly in charge of security and supply at the French Energy Ministry and is a regular contributor to Natural Gas World, their website. Terry, thank you very much for coming on the show. How has the situation now changed in Europe with Russia making the declaration they're not going to deliver uh, natural gas to Poland and Bulgaria? How's it changed? Good afternoon, Roy. We've seen earlier in April, I mean, uh, the Baltic states uh, deciding not to take any Russian gas. And as you rightly stated, we've seen uh, Russia unanimously cutting supply to uh, Poland and Bulgaria on the 27th of April. So all in all, in April, we've lost 10% of the Russian supply. Uh, this is big, but it's completely manageable. We can do without 10% of of the Russian gas. Uh, the systemic risk is if they were cutting supply to uh, Germany and Italy. But otherwise, we can do without Russian gas. It's going to be a bit painful. It's going to be more expensive, but we can do. And as you've seen, those uh, countries are today able to manage without. And contrary to what you were saying in Canada, the one of the great success of this European Commission and the past was to better connect uh, countries uh, and to be able to be more resilient in case of this shock. So we are able to be more resilient thanks to the former infrastructure we've been building in Europe. All right. So part of that infrastructure will go into force in about four weeks' time with that interconnecting pipeline between Bulgaria and Greece. Italy as well has made uh, contractual agreements with four different nations, Congo, Azerbaijan, Algeria, and Angola for gas, bypassing Russian gas. We'd like to sell you ours, but we can't. So these are moves that are being made by European countries because they saw what was, to a certain extent, they saw what was going to happen. Now they're dealing with it. What about the German situation? How, where, how are they faring? 
Well, Poland, as you uh, stated, had this vision for the last 10 years and they've built regas terminals, they've signed contracts with the US LNG. So Poland was completely in this um, mood and this mindset. Italy, it was more wake-up call, uh, I would say, uh, uh, in the last three months after the war in Ukraine. And so therefore, they have a moral obligation that decided they need to move away from Russian gas. And so they are doing this. Unfortunately, that's still not the case in Germany. Germany is still hooked to Russian gas, hooked in terms of volumes, but also in terms of pricing, because they do get a big discount. And so what the Germans are really fearing is that they will have to replace, if they have to replace Russian gas, it's going to be more expensive, and perhaps the German industry won't be profitable. So this is where Germany is completely hooked with Russian gas. Okay, so we have Germany. How about France? How's France doing? Uh, France, the, uh, what the strategy was, and this is what I was in charge 20 years ago, was to be, uh, to have a diversification of supply, as Churchill stated it when he was in charge of diversification of supply for the UK many, many years ago. And so therefore, we can do without a Russian gas. And this is where the trick is. If we were less dependent on Russian, of Russian gas, I mean, we are 40% dependent at the EU level, we would be able today to say to Vladimir Putin what we think and to say, well, sorry, we don't need your gas. We can go and buy it into the US. We can buy it in uh, in Qatar or we can buy it in Norway. Unfortunately, because we are too much dependent, we don't, we can't do this and Germany in particular. Mm -hmm. But the reality, Terry, is that European nations are still dependent on getting gas. I'm looking at the Italian situation, Congo, Azerbaijan, Algeria, and Angola, still dependent on contractual agreements with countries that are very distant, where you can't be 100% certain that they're going to be stable forever. Uh, it's still a bit of a, uh, a rolling of the dice, isn't it, to, uh, to obtain what is necessary Absolutely. I mean, we've played Russian roulette with Russian gas and it turned out not to be very successful. So this is why we need to have a diversification of supply. But this is also why I'm always standing on your program. We need also our allies in North America, Canada and the US, that are blessed with huge resources to produce this uh, gas and this oil and to ship it into Europe because we will need gas for the foreseeable future. And I think that's really a message from Europe to North American allies. When you were in charge of um, energy security for France, how much communication did you have with Canada at that particular time, previous governments? And did you have a sense or was there some assurance that, yes, Canada will be there with the supplies Europe requires when you, require, when you, when you do require them? Was there any, any, any of that type of conversation going on? Well, not so much. It was 20 years ago. We had the IEA, so we were going through the IEA for, for oil more than anything else. And yes, I had a conversation, but mostly with the US, because this was uh, when there were tension between France and the US, so we were trying to deal with those. But again, we have the IEA in oil that is able to uh, put strategic stocks, to release strategic stocks if we need with Canada, with the US, and with Europe. And we are doing this right now to be in a position 
later to embargo the Russian oil. I mean, if we are doing this, if the International Energy Agency is doing this, we, if Canada is doing this, the next step is an oil embargo on Russia. Uh, but uh, on gas, we weren't doing this because, as you stated, it was something that was less transportable. I mean, the shale gas revolution in the U.S. changed this. And again, Please think, without the shale gas revolution in the US, I mean, Vladimir Putin will be in a position to move the border in Europe much more on the Western side. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 